This is the Blur's uh, Experience, a show about Gwent, but so much more. I'm joined by the Prince of Pies, Pavel Burja. That's a new one mm. right there. How do you I feel? love me a good pie. I love me a good pie, preferably cherry pie. Man, yeah. that's my that's my thing. There's a, I mean, ugh. there's such so much hype around cherry as a flavor, and I, I just it. never got onto it. Like cherry, um like cherry flavored like candy not a fan cherry flavored no, medicine candy, no. not a fan no same cherries in pie like I, there's oh. if anything else really like apple i'll take apple i'll take peach i love apple too peach yeah. is also good like a peach cobbler but i'm not a i'm not a pie fan in general i'm just to me like i'd rather a cake than a pie like same like fruit it's you know like i get it it's fruit like, I love pies if they're well made, but yeah, cake is cake is above pie always, always. No, cake always. is important. We need to respect the cake. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there you go, Prince of Pies. That's you. Beautiful. I'll take it. I'll take anything that's you know sweets related. I'm in. I'm in. So yeah, this is this is episode thirteen. Hello, Flake, and hello everybody watching. And yeah. What's 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 for number thirteen? You gotta you gotta give me something. You always I, come up with something cool. I gotta give you a sports reference because I love sports and it's a really good time in sports right now because baseball's in full swing. Uh, we're approaching the hockey playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. This is a really clutch time for me because I'm just loving it. Golf is back on TV and going crazy, and Tiger Woods is playing. So I'm in I'm in heaven here. So the significance of number thirteen. I was going to give you a Montreal Canadiens reference, but there's no retired number 13. And the, the last player who wore number 13 that I can remember is someone by the name of Michael Camilleri, who played for the team like 10 years ago. Uh, goal scorer, didn't really do a whole lot. But um, anyways, I think he played for Calgary. Then he, God knows what he's doing now. But <laughs> number 13, in terms of significance that I could remember, that I could think about, it was worn by Alex Rodriguez when he went to the New York Yankees. And why is it significant? Well... Uh, Alex Rodriguez, when he played for Seattle and when he played for Texas, used to wear number three. And he was like the top tits of baseball at the time. And typically when you're like the number one player in baseball, whatever number you have, wherever team you go to, you will always have that number. However, when he went to the Yankees, number three was Babe Ruth's old number and it was retired. So he had to wear a different number. So he chose number 13. And that's why wow. I thought it was pretty significant because... Uh, I remember when it occurred, which was like in the mid 2000s, um, they were releasing. It happened, I think, after a particular baseball video game came out and the baseball game, the trade happened after the game came out. So they like they had to like push an update where they did this cool cinematic where his mm -hmm. you see like a rods jersey the back of him and his number goes from three to 13 and i was like okay Ooh. that's kind of cool it was that cool. it was that much of a big deal frankly it was ridiculous how i mean you you know like because you're Borja 46 right like there's a yeah. significance to it you understand the significance to the number associated oh, the to number. your name and it was i think it was a bigger story of him going from shortstop to third base which was a pretty significant move but him going from three to 13 people were like oh my god like He's going to have to change numbers. I'm like, really? Is that like, I guess superstition is a big deal. Yeah, the, there is there is superstition around the number 13. I think a lot of people consider 13 to be the, the most unluckiest number. 
Funny that you mentioned it. Um, in cycling, if you like sign up for the tour and you get a number that you pin on the back of your like jersey, uh, the person with the number thirteen always flips it around and has it, you know, has it flipped around. It's never like one three; it's the other way around. So um, apparently, they do it because they feel if you flip it, that means you won't crash and it will be a lucky number. So they just, you know, have it upside down. <laughs> that's uh that's actually quite cool. Again, superstition in sports is so yeah. it's so prominent. Um, do you have any superstitions when it comes to like your cycling or your running? Uh, I really don't. I'm not a superstitious person. I only have this thing that, um, on one of my like routes, when I run, there is like this, um, electrical pole thing, but it's not like one pole. It's just like two of them. And I never run like under because they kind of like, you know, they, they meet here and I never run like under them. I always run around them, okay. never under the thing because I feel like it's bad luck in some way. But um, I was never superstitious. I like the the black cat on the road. Never, never really. I never did the like because in, in Poland you have to like walk like two steps back and you have to spit over your left arm or something like that <laughs> in order to, for there, nothing bad to happen. Like I never, I never believed these things to be honest. It, like uh, the most superstitious people I ever knew were like all my Polish family. I feel like yeah, they're always. I'm super, not surprised. Yeah, that my just... grandma was like, "Oh, you gotta watch out for the black cats, or you." you should first do left leg or right but i feel like it's you know some of them some of these things might be superstitious but some of these things um might be kind of things that you do because it's like a ritual i know people who like when they go running like they first put on their left shoe then their right shoe or the right shoe first and then their left shoe but we also have these you know these superstitions like when you get get out of bed you should never go get off the bed with your left foot always with your right foot because if you get off of your left foot you will have bad like a you know bad attitude during the day you'll be unhappy and stuff like that when it's like these are all like we even have this saying in polish like oh he got up on the left side of the of the foot kind of or or, or the leg which is like do you what? hear that that's the uh that's the fire alarm uh testing that is is happening right now yeah, I can't hear it yet. You can't Worst hear case it. scenario, you'll just run out of the building like, ah! Uh, yeah. <laughs> just take your comics. They're oh, worth a lot. That, well, that's the problem. Like, is what do I save, you know? And um, I always thought about this. I'm like, okay, if I have, like, one armful of stuff I can bring, what would it be? And I honestly don't know. Like, is it my cards? Like, my Star Wars cards? Is it my comic book? Like, from a value perspective, comic books. the comic books What's would be worth more? nothing. In, the, in my apartment, nothing. Like, it is, it's insane how, like, my the majority of my my net worth is just in a long box in a closet <laughs> you know, like that's where that's where all of my my youthful money went to uh is is there but uh yeah if you do hear all this stuff if you do uh don't don't be alarmed uh i'm okay it's just a monthly fire check that happens on uh on wednesdays apparently but like we've been recording this on wednesdays forever and it's never, never happened ha it never happened i guess this is all right well they were they knew they just wanted to get on the the floors of podcast yeah 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 all right. They want they want the merch and they want to be the sponsors. Like if they want to be the sponsors, like they gotta <laughs> they gotta show up 
for us. All right. So what's uh, what's on the, the subject matter this week? So this week we're going to talk about net decking and the perceived toxicity in card games. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Toxicity. Uh, now, <laughs> there was um, a song. Toxicity. <laughs> well, oh, a system, in a system of a down. Thank you. The toxicity <laughs> of the... Yeah, there's that. Plus there's yeah. also Britney Spears Toxic. So <laughs> uh, we don't have the rights to True. these songs. So I don't think that... that um, alias V, who's editing this, is going to throw that in there. Um, for no, well, of... we sang them pretty pretty well, so yeah, done exactly. It's pretty much the shout same. out to Alias. Thank you for watching us two idiots talk about card games. I, it, Hi, <laughs> I know it's great because like we do. Like, like I will say hello to you, Alias, and thank you for for doing this. But you're right, and sometimes she like she'll give me feedback and she'll be like, "Great episode, this was fun," and like she watches and listens to everything that like we record. Feel bad for her, <laughs> like through and because she's like forced to watch, right? Well, forced. Like I guess I suppose like <laughs> she's she's one of 983's editors. So she she does, but I try to give her the best experience while doing this. <laughs> so nice. Um, yeah. But uh, before we get there, we got the Dagon rumor report. Yes, yes, the famous Dagon rumor report. Uh, Dagon has been spotted in 2017, where he existed long ago, and that is where he will stay because for the 957th time. Dagon is not happening. 0% chance. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, but yeah, but if you want to become a Dagon Rumor reporter, this is important because you want to become one. Uh, you can get the official, official 100%, you know, mint, awesome, Flurza gear at 983shop.com. And if you use the code Flurza5, you will get five bucks off your order. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Cop that merch, get that stuff because it's amazing, amazing quality, quality. And uh, yeah, you can become a Dagon Rumor reporter. You can take my job and Flake's job and mm -hmm. start a podcast and talk about Dagon. And uh, yeah, we we'll, would we'll love to be your first guest, by the way. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we will be, we'll absolutely be there as uh, your inaugural guests. We come as a duo, by the way. We are Flurza. Yes. There's no Flake, there's no Burza. It's just Flurza. That's. Yeah how we go i uh, have one you have to take both exactly Sorry. but uh and if you do get the gear if you do become a dagon rumor reporter you have official uh, authority to go onto reddit and immediately shut down anyone who asks when dagon's yes because that is yes that totally. is the job that i currently have undertook um if you've noticed like anytime every week on like the monday or tuesday when you post the send us your questions my favorite yeah. thing is to go there and just ruin people's dreams immediately so yeah. is it coming no <laughs> no nope. it's not and then if the if it, it comes back again, my go-to is just say June first. June first. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be there. It's gonna that question's gonna be there every week. Same as premium tokens. We even we even did twig last week with Vlad where he said like he doesn't know when he's happening and if he's gonna happen. And people still keep on asking the question. I'm like the game director came uh, came forth and said, I don't know. So why you still ask that question? Same about premium tokens. He's, he gave kind of, but there was less premium token questions, I think, this time than we normally get because he actually addressed that with, with you know, with more um, kind of behind the scenes insight into into the process when it comes to premiumification and that the cards from uh, the expansions or the drops that we're doing this year, they have priority over tokens. Some tokens are done, some are not. So we'll see when they come. Easy. Well, all right, let's get to the Wayback Machine as we take a little trip and down memory lane here and we're going to go this one these are this is a two-parter which actually fits quite nicely 
how this timed. But um, this time, this week in 2019, was the introduction of the Gwent Partner Program. Yay! Um, now we had an episode about the no, we had an episode about the faction ambassadors, but yes. we did have questions regarding the partner program. And last week we talked about vetting partners and et cetera. But in this in this case, the Gwent Partner Program, in my opinion, um, is uh, leaves leaves a lot to be desired. That's just me. Uh, however. I mean, it, at the time, I think it was, I think it was a pretty, pretty sweet thing. But I think maybe it just kind of lost a lot of steam. It's one thing that we wanted to kind of uh, reiterate and kind of work a little bit, maybe add a couple tiers to it. Uh, it was a plan that we had last year, but then we decided to stop because um, as a company, meaning CDPR, we're thinking about maybe doing something more as like a wider um, content creator program, which Gwent could also fit into. Um, so we're exploring these possibilities. So there is, there is some thoughts like happening behind the scenes within the studio, like what we want to do um, in the future, but nothing concrete for me to like come out and say like, okay, this is going to happen for sure. Uh, but we want to do more for sure because we also feel like the program, once it started, it was good and it had some thing. Then we had the ambassadors, which really didn't work in the in the end. Um, and after that, we kind of decided that we would like to do a little bit more for the partners and maybe introduce like a tier system and, you know, some things on top of then just, you know, getting the badge and being added to the partner list and being, you know, eligible for reveals and stuff like that. But maybe, you know, a couple more tiers up in terms of like the things and the benefits that you could get from this program. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that, that was, that was the plan, but we want to now kind of see how this fits within the whole CDPR group and what we can do with the, with the program moving forward. But there are, there are some plans, there are some ideas. Uh, once these things kind of get ironed out, I think you might expect something from us this year, hopefully. 2020 was the Gwent Partners Open. And I participated in this, if I'm not mistaken. And I I thought that this was a an invitational tournament that was meant to showcase creativity and this and that and whatever. So I made a bunch of fascinating, interesting non-meta decks to just showcase the game and some of the archetypes and whatever. And I went up against just constant um, meta decks. I got <laughs> I got smoked. I got crushed. And uh, I posted. I mentioned like in there was a thread about the tournament, and I just mentioned I'm like, yeah, I think I I did this wrong. I don't. I thought it was going to be more of a tournament regarding like you know it's about it's like content creators and whatever. So I wanted to mm -hmm. be creative, and I got smashed. And then I got flamed on the on on Reddit as I normally do. Because uh, I was supposed to take it seriously, and they're like, "You play to win. That's what the tournament is for. It's a tournament. You're supposed to play to win. You always bring your best, best decks." And this leads nicely to our topic, which is going to be net deck. Oh. But I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, uh, they're like, "Well, you're stupid if you bring anything but the best deck to a tournament. I'm like, there's nothing at stake." I'm like, I, I'm like, I get. I'm like, I get it. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, I, I just misunderstood. Like. I, I guess I was wrong. It's all good. And then from that day forward, I never entered another tournament ever again. Ever Aww. again. Uh, you ruined that's not your true. tournament experience. Well, well no, apart I, from the flesh and blood stuff, right? Well, the flesh and blood stuff. Yeah, no, I mean it from like a Gwent tournament. Gwent. I, I, I've yeah. refused to play in, or I've declined rather to play in any other Gwent tournament. The only one I did was I filled a slot for Gwent, a Gwentfinity tournament. 
and I won my first round, and then I conceded, <laughs> and then I and then I dropped. I was like, I don't want to do this again. Like I played with the intention of losing, not the intention of losing, but I played in the Skellige, uh Gwentfinity War. I played in round one. I brought mm-hmm. my four Lippy. I didn't play Lippy. Hell no. I that's the one I absolutely I played against Lippy, and I beat the crap out of that garbage deck. But <laughs> um, but I I won that tournament. I won that tournament. Or I won that round, and I wasn't expecting to, so I was I moved on to like the semifinals, and I and I conceded. I said I don't want to play. Like I just I don't. I did this as uh, to fill a void, and I wasn't expecting yeah. to win, but I did. So I conceded. I think to celebrate. I just I told him I didn't have time on my schedule, unfortunately, and I said that he would probably beat me anyways, which he probably would have, and and that was it. So that was my tournament experience. But this Gwent Partners Open <laughs> was quite well. That was the. Basically, me saying, "All right, this is a, a showcase tournament, an exhibition tournament, and I'm getting flamed for being creative." I'm like, "All right, yeah, dude, no, you can't be creative. No, this is a card game. You gotta bring the, you know, the top tier decks and battle out with the with the best of them. Anything that you know has like a lower score than being a, you know, a five out of five is not even, you know, it's not supposed to be there. Like, what do you what do you think? Although, um." To be quite honest, uh, it's it's also th- a thing that we want to bring back also this year. Like uh, I think I mentioned it somewhere that it's 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 one of those tournaments that kind of uh, we wanted to do, but then the war in Ukraine kind of happened, and then we kind of decided to postpone it. So it's on it's on postponement right now, but it's it's one of those things that we want to do for sure uh, because I think we had two or three editions already of it, and it was it was quite fun. It's really cool to see actually the partners go go head to head. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, um, based off of our experience working on tournaments, I think we always appreciate crazy lineups, even as from like um, professional players. Then if they bring something that is um, a surprise to us uh, in terms of their lineup, it's always more interesting. And we kind of like, oh my god, have you seen this? Did you see what he brought and stuff like that? I think it, it actually shows a player's creativity a little bit more. And also, um, even if you have, like, I think this will segue to our main topic of, of net decking and, mm-hmm. and the toxic decks and stuff like that. Even if you have a meta deck which has some inclusions of cards that you would not expect in this deck, that I think it kind of showcases that player's personality or it showcases, like what they are targeting in their opponent's lineup. So it's like a hard target for something. Like um I for example I'll, I'll take dwarves into as an example because that's the thing I'm playing the most right now. And like your 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 dwarf deck with surrender for example. I have a dwarf deck with uh, Gerald Irden to get to 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 you know to, to if you're playing against the same thing to get rid of the the boosts on the whole row and stuff like that. So I feel like you will be teching with some cards against a matchup that you can foresee that you're going to go against um but it's always good to see some some creativity when it comes to deck building and players actually bringing something that you're like oh my god this is crazy and then actually see it work in the competitive field i think it makes it even better well this is so this is where we get to that point right of like mm-hmm. net decking and toxicity and whatnot and like there's a little bit of a link between them but we just talked about the fact that creativity is nice to see but there's the stigma about net decking. And this is, I think we spoke about this. I talked to this uh, about this with, um, with Shinmiri when, when we had our show way back mm-hmm. when. Uh, but 
net decking the thing about net decking is that like you'll see this every single time on every single card game i am um i, I am like i don't know subscribed to joined or whatever like um to various different reddit threads uh, reddit um subreddits uh like hearthstone mm -hmm. gwent magic runeterra flesh and blood blah 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 net decking seems to be like the worst thing in the world and what i'll what i'm gonna find quite interesting is that the only place that i have never seen a single complaint about net decking is flesh and blood oh wow not a single peep about it and i think it has to do with the fact that there's no digital client so the the exhaustion of playing against the same deck over and over and over again isn't as real because players Oh, their only outlet to play the game is at whatever events that are happening locally or with their friends casually or whatnot. But when you're playing with something at stake, be it your rank, like on ladder, or at a tournament where your wins and losses factor into your prize and your payout, um, I've never seen anyone complain about net decking because everyone understands that, no, this is the best deck and this is how it goes. And with sideboarding, clearly there's going to be tech there's going to be options. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. Meta is incredibly important in how to evaluate it in order yeah. of being successful. But net decking has been a complaint amidst the community of every other card game that I've ever played forever. So well, the first thing I wanted to talk about or the first thing I want to tackle is that if you're complaining about net decking in Gwent, it is, it is not something that is unique to Gwent. Every other card game, you can go to any of the other subreddits and within the past 24 hours, I will guarantee you there's at least one post of somebody complaining about net decking and, and, and that. But what is net decking? I mean, net decking is basically people who want to take a shortcut to find the best deck possible or, or what is functional amidst what they're comfortable playing so that they can have the best possible experience with their time which could be limited so is that really that bad of a thing like put it this way if you have if you're going to a theme park okay you're going to disney world you got a day at disney world it's crowded you know that you're only going to be able to maybe do four rides out of the 20 that are there are you going to waste your time trying all the different ones waiting in line or are you going to ask what around and say what's the best ride possible if i'm only going to go on four rides which one are they going? Which ones are they going to be? Because if I'm going to be waiting in line and and if my time is limited, what am I going to jump on? Am I going to go and and sit on the tea, wait for the teacups for three hours, or am I going to go ride you know Space Mountain? You know, so that's that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the 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 initial barrage about you know the unfair uh, criticism of net deckers and net decking because it's literally just it. Put it this way, it, it, like when you go to a restaurant and you ask what's the best thing on the menu, you're net decking the menu. You're just, you're just saying that's what you're doing. You know, you're like, oh, what's the best thing here? All right, I'll get that, you know, rather than trying everything. <laughs> it's, it's a similar thing. It's just, the, it's, the, it's the mentality that you want the best for your time and your investment in that thing. Yeah, I mean, I never understood the, I, I kind of get the, the, the players that, that they get stigmatized like instantly i and i feel it's because everybody expects others to come up with fun and creative decks on their own but a if you're limited on time you won't 
B, if you're getting into a format or into a card game and you don't know anything about the meta, you will study what others have done. And you will, I think, like, you will, whoever you are, you will sooner or later net deck to some extent, especially when you're getting into a game. Like, you will start with something that is, like, the bare bones of a deck and then you will try to build around it but somebody has already come out like come up with the with the structure of the deck right but you will kind of go in you will fine tune and you will change it based off of your own kind of you know feel or or the matchups that you go again or based on how well you start to know the meta you will be introducing changes or maybe you will moving on to a um a different deck because you know it counters whatever is is uh, you know the, the the best thing in the in the current meta that you're playing so you'll be playing around with these things but i feel like you cannot be you know you cannot be witch hunting these people and going to them like oh you should not be net decking is like you know this is this is not the way to go because you should we should all be um deck brewers and deck creators while i think all of us a don't have the time some of us like taking the shortcut and i think as 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 like an overall society right now we're kind of used to getting things on demand right like we watch movies on demand tv shows on demand we like getting food straight out our doorstep and stuff like that we want to maybe take away some of the the the, the heavy lifting out of it um and we go the easy route and i don't know why this is also considered the easy route because for me like if i'm juggling a couple card games um you know which are of my interest and stuff like that i will go back and see like okay i haven't played mtg for some time because i'm focusing on gwent right now uh, i go back to mtg i want to see what's 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 happening in the meta so i go on mtg goldfish and I see, like you know, you have stats. Uh, how? What's the percentage of of a deck in a in a given meta, based off of the recent uh, tournaments that were done on the MTG Online? So, let's say I play Zorius Control, which is a, a deck that I love. It's four percent of the meta right now. A hundred decks and different possibilities. And then you can go into the decks and see like who's playing what in that deck. There are a couple variations. A couple, you know, some people have I don't know three copies of this card but some choose one copy of this card and you're like okay what's the thought process what, what are they targeting which matchups are going against and then you look at okay murktide regent is the top of the meta it's 11 percent 272 decks okay so this is a deck that has this and this and this this is what i should counter so when i'm building mine maybe i should change it a little bit and then you also need to take into consideration like you go to your local game store and you go to like Friday Night Magic or whatever, or like any modern tournament, and then you see also what the meta is there. So then you're going back to this deck and you're teching against the stuff that you have there, but the bare bones, you kind of net deck because it is much easier to do it instead of like, I'm gonna come up with something new and crazy and maybe this will be kind of, you know, my, my, my saving grace, but I think no one really has all that time and they will always be kind of incentivized, like kind of like you mentioned, the, um, you know, the, the partner is open, like people will bring the strongest decks because they want the strongest stuff. And where do they get the strongest stuff? Well, they net deck it, net, net deck it most likely, especially that, you know, we have um, teams that special, like specialize in this, right? Like TLG, like 
all, you know, Team Aratus and all the other ones, they have their own monthly reports where they say, okay, the meta this month is this. This is the performance of this deck. This is like a five out of five. This is a 4.25 and stuff like that. They consult it with pro players and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people, like, they're making their living out of this. Like, you go to Channel Fireball, you see all these card games that are under, under their belt. And you have all these pro players saying, like, this, is, this, is, this deck is good. This is what you should be having in it. And they're kind of, like, asking you to, to net deck it to some extent. And I think as a, as a normal player that, you know, wants to have fun, you will net deck, but then you will, with that, you will start adjusting and working on the deck and changing it to your likeness. And, you know, from, from that, you, you kind of move forward. Well, I've been very uh, vocal about the fact that the 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 player base, the community of of most card games, are five um, percent innovators and ninety five percent those beneficiaries of those innovators. Not mm-hmm. everyone can be the the engineer, as it were. You know, like there are more pilots than there are people designing the planes. Like that's just the way of True. of the way it goes. And not every pilot is going to know how to repair all the planes. He just knows how to fly them and operate them. That's that's what I am. I'm a pilot. Like that's I'm Same. I I cannot design a, like of the you know um, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that I've played of Gwent. I have gotten to pro rank with homebrews a handful of times. Maybe like uh, maybe two or three times with stuff that I've legitimately done on my own that nobody else was playing and nobody else gave a, an F about. Uh, but I did it on my own. Was it a, a rewarding experience? Sure. But I could have easily have invested that time with Metadex and got there faster and gotten better scores. Now, the thing about it is that I have the time or at, when I did have when I was streaming daily, I had all kinds of time to do that. I had time to go sit down and trial and error, and trial and error, and trial and error, and make it happen. But think about everybody else who's like, I only play four games of Gwent a day because I'm only afforded less than an hour a day because of I have a job, I have a family, I have responsibilities, I have all kinds of stuff. W- what makes, like for all those who who dunk on net deckers as being awful people, first of all, with the hundreds of thousands of people playing any given game, there are not a hundred thousands of unique decks so there's going to be people who are going to be playing the right stuff not to mention not to mention eventually through standard evolution people will just eventually hone their decks to whatever is best so whether it's a net deck or not or similar to a net deck eventually people are going to realize that there are just certain cards that fit together better than other other cards do given the certain climate of whatever the meta is does that make them worse or or worse people no it actually makes them quite smart that they're efficiently using their time and trusting those who are the innovators who are the engineers that that plane that they designed is the fastest the best the most sturdy the most efficient and that's what they've chosen to fly to get to where their destination is and their destination is winning efficiently to accumulate more in-game resources to progress their career to advance their rank etc how is that a bad thing net decking is the reason you particularly whoever's listening if you hate net deckers the reason you hate net deckers is because you just are tired of playing against the same decks and maybe those and but here's the deal if those net deckers 
are out there playing decks that you are beating regularly, you wouldn't complain because you're getting a bunch of free wins. So is it, are you mad that the people are net decking or are you mad that you can't beat these net decks? That's basically it. Because you can't make a good deck. Well, that's it. And this is what I tell people. I'm like, if you're so pissed off about the fact that it's the same, you know, it's the same three or four decks that are out there. First of all, if the top of the ladder, if the top of pro rank, or if you're in pro rank and you're seeing this, like, well, it's, it's the same four or five lists. That's pretty good for the, the top 1% of the players. If they're playing five different decks viably, that's pretty good because most other card games will have maybe three. They'll have three at the top of the, at the, top of the peak. But if you're coming up against the same lists over and over and over again, and you are too stubborn or not capable of switching up your deck to counter it, that's on you. That's not on the net deckers because the net deckers are, are trusting the fact that everyone else out there is does not have the capacity to build a deck to counter theirs. So maybe if you're upset about it, maybe it's time to just think like for instance, you talked about my the me putting in surrender in my list. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, if everybody's row stacking as dwarves and dwarves have a lot of armor, this makes incredible sense to run surrender. Yeah. And I did play with Eardin, but at the same time, Eardin for me, I just couldn't fit it with provisions, so I eventually cut mm-hmm. it. But Eardin was a good choice and that worked it well. Was fun. But the, sur- the the choice of surrender is like you say, you play Zoltan's company, they jam like five dwarves on the board trying to get a, a quick turn. You just surrender them down. Easy. Snap. Ow. Goodbye. And people are like, why are you running it? Like, just run Lacerate. I'm like, well, armor is important. For one more extra provision, I'm scooping all the armor off of them. And a lot of them deal with armor. Like, this is incredibly yeah. important. Anyway, so to me, a lo- I think it just comes down to the fact that there are 5% of, of people out there who are innovators who are trying new things, people like Spessy, people like Shinmiri, people like, you know, who actually go out there and hit the blueprint, uh, go to the drawing board and, and create these blueprints of decks that people then gravitate towards. And the reason they gravitate towards it is because they don't have the same amount of time or the or they don't have the skill. I Listen, I have the time. I don't have the skill set to, to create decks. I'm completely comfortable saying that. I rely on smarter people than me to, to design the decks and I trust in my ability to play the deck properly and well. I think I'm an excellent card player, but I'm definitely not an excellent theory crafter. But for those out there who are both, like Shinmiri, like Spessy, you know, people are definitely going to gravitate towards them because they're out there trying new things. And I've even heard it, people, you know, crapping on, on people like Spessy and be like, oh, he made another deck that everyone's going to play. Well, what do you want him to do? He's, tr- he's actually actively creating new decks and you yeah. guys are copying him. So, you are also part of the problem in that regard. But you know what? You know how you counter net deckers? You build the deck that beats the net deck. That's why whenever Spessy comes out with a mill list that everyone jumps on, I'm like, happy day, baby, because these are easy wins. You just take the deck that goes in, you play something like Dwarves, and you just crap all over mill because mill yeah. is still bad. Easy. Yeah, actually, his, his uh, mill version is, is pretty good. Now that you mentioned it, like with Golden Necker, I think it's a good addition. Um, the deck is, is is much better. I think I've played against it on on the ladder a couple of times uh, this week, and uh, it's it's. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it it is it is mill like it's it's, it's self pilots <laughs> itself, and it's not good. Well, and I I understand that people hate mill because of what it does. Like, it, but mill is a a a deck type that exists in most many card games, and again, yeah. anytime that you just aren't allowed to play your cards or it's a disruptive kind of game like yeah it's it's an it's annoying it's it's tough and it's it's a bad experience to that regard but you know what you know what's even worse than playing against 
Mill and Gwent. Try playing against what did you say? Azorius Control. Yeah, like go try yeah. play like where you, none none of your cards ever see the board because it's just counterspell, counterspell, board wipe, counterspell. Yeah. Yes. No thank yes, you. Yes, counter everything and uh, yeah, get rid of everything that your opponent Wrath is trying to do. Wrath of God, Cleansing Nova. What else? What else? Right now it's Supreme Verdict, more 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 that way. But uh, there's a lot of nice like uh, targeted removal, so you don't really need all the all the a lot of board wipes. But there's like prismatic endings where you just exile non-life permanents. Same with, like, yeah, like new addition, the March of Otherworldly Light. So that's that's also something that you do. So you you pretty much. You play like Chalice of the Void, so yeah, with X counters, so you, a player can't play spells with a converted mana cost of, 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 of X, so if you do one, then if you're playing against Burn, they're pretty much, they can't do anything, so As yeah, it's just counter magic. But it's still not one of the worst decks, I think there are, there are worse decks, but we'll, we'll get to that topic uh, next since we already kind of started yeah. talking about Mill. And I just wanted to add to the, to the net decking, deck building thing, I, I fully agree with you that there are only a select few, especially in Gwent, which are able to create decks from scratch, especially when uh, a new meta is shaping or new cards come out. Uh, but I feel like they know the game so well in and out that they're able to do it. That's one thing. And the other thing is that they are incredible like theory crafters, which I think the majority of us are are just simply not. Like like you said, we know how to pilot a deck more or less, or we learn how to pilot a deck, but we do not know if the card would be like performing well within let's say a shell of a deck that we used previously. Um but yeah I feel like it's we all get into this iteration process of playing a deck and fine-tuning it that kind of starts making us a little bit like a like a deck builder to some extent, but still there are some staples that you will put in a deck. And I feel like even if you're the like you're the best brewer, you're kind of always limited in terms of the number of cards that you have within, let's say, a format that is in the game. Like there are formats in, in card games like in Magic once again as an example, which you have a ton of sets that have come out throughout the years. And you can you there you have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to building crazy stuff. While I think that in Gwent you're kind of limited when it comes to the number of cards that we have because our one like our whole card pool is considered like a standard set. Okay, standard rotation. Uh, Flake is already kind of thinking about it. I know. Horny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the buzzword. And there, you're kind of limited when it comes to the deck building, and you will always choose cards which have been performing very very well within a given shell, and you will always build something off of that. You might be adding some different things in order just to spice it up but or or have this have this like important thing which i feel is like cards which your opponent does not expect in a given deck because when you're going head to head against someone you're you're able to kind of figure out okay he's probably going to play this after that he's going to do that and this is the outcome right and you get surprised when your opponent comes up with something new or has a couple cards within his or her deck that kind of like counters you, but you have never thought of that. And you're like, wow, this is really smart. I haven't thought of that. Like, this is a cool addition to the deck. Like, I did not expect this. Uh, maybe I should have played, you know, this before and that after because I would not expect this to happen. And you kind of, you know, you start 
thinking about it and 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 I feel like that's 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 that also shows a player's creativity. You don't need to tell someone they're not creative because the majority of their deck is something that is performing well because it is performing well it is fine-tuned so why he or she should not be playing that and if you want some spice and uh, some personality to a deck you can do your own stuff it's like me jamming pafko into most decks although he sucks but just to have pafko and when i'm streaming i'm like see that's pafko he's cool and he's like oh my god and i actually still get people coming in chat saying like oh my god that card looks like you i'm like well, it does. There you go. They're like, how did that happen? And they're like, I start explaining and stuff like that. So it's it's still cool. It has a nice story attached to it, right? The other part of it is like, what always makes me laugh is when there are complaints about like, either at, a, at an open or a challenger or whatever, or just someone complaining about the top of the ladder. It's just the same three decks. Like everybody's playing the same stuff. Because it's the best. Though They're the best options. Like, are you really... The, the What made me laugh the most was reading a complaint about someone saying that all the decks at one of the opens were very similar. I'm like, yeah, they're playing for a lot of money. They're going to bring what is best to the tournament. Like, well, someone could have at least tried to switch things up and been a little bit creative. No, no. Are you willing to, to you know, like, are, are you willing to give up like 10 grand to be creative in front of people and, and just to please, you know, one couch goblin who's watching the the tournament or something like no i i don't think that's that's the way it goes like people will will as the stakes get higher and as the difficulty gets ramped up they are going to play what is best because you like everyone else wants to win you're complaining about net decking because you're playing against the same lists frequently because they're efficient and you can't beat them so you want people to be creative so you can beat up on creative decks that's what you want to do. Let's be real here. Um, so let, let's let's talk quickly a little bit about toxicity and what people like. I actually, I think, uh, maybe a little while ago, or I don't know how long ago, I, I like asked, I asked people. I said, "What what do you consider a toxic deck?" And I got like dozens of unique and different answers, which proved my point that toxicity is incredibly subjective when it comes to what someone thinks is toxic. Because a lot of people are like, oh, Mill is toxic. Okay, well, Cloggers is toxic. Waylay Spam is toxic. Traps are toxic. Um, you know, this card is toxic. This interaction is toxic. It's a buzzword. It's a crutch word. It's a lazy word that people want to say when they, don't, when, when, when they don't know how to properly explain why they don't like someone or something or someone or, or a card or whatever or an interaction. And in reality, it all boils down to the fact that they just don't like it because it beats them. That is like, well, like mill, mill is toxic. I like, I don't like playing against mill, but I'm, I win way more than I lose against mill. So I'm totally okay with it. Like to me, to toxicity is the mentality that you have this, this high and mighty thought of yourself that what you like is correct. And what other people like is incorrect. That's toxic. That's the toxic mentality it has nothing to do with decks. Because like I said, when I asked, I got dozens of different replies, all of which were unique, all of which were like, well, uh, Alzer's toxic, um, you know, Maddox is toxic, <laughs> uh, Deathwish is toxic, this is toxic, Spam is toxic, uh, you know, Swarm is toxic, Ratclog is toxic. Everything's freaking toxic, therefore nothing is toxic. <laughs> like, let's just be real here. 
I mean, someone has to be the villain always, right? I think in, in, in any card game or in any given meta, there is always a villain. Like, But then you're, you're dodging the blame. And the blame should be squarely yeah. on... Like, you're, you're basically trying to find an outlet for your... Like, you're trying to blame something for your own displeasure. Because if, like, if you go down to the root of the cause of what you think is toxic, you don't like it because it's, it's either... Um, it's either appearing frequently in your cues or it, you can't beat it or, you know, something along, along those lines. Like, you know, what was toxic? What was toxic was the silver spy spam, um, of like Skellige back in, in closed beta or, or whatever, or open beta. Card also. Yeah. That, that to me, I feel is toxic because it was, it was a clear abuse of an interaction that may have gotten past, uh, testing. And that, that to me was a toxic interaction because there was no way for your opponent to really do anything about it. You just basically, your opponent would get multiple card advantage and then there's nothing you can do. That to me is toxic, mm -hmm. but decks that are beatable, decks that have lines of play that you can take to, to beat them, you know, like rewind a bit. Is it toxic or are you just not putting Irden in your deck because you think <laughs> Irden is toxic? Like, Jesus Christ, like it's this gigantic circle jerkulatory freaking activity of everybody thinking that if I lose, it's toxic. If I win, I'm the best. Like, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. Yeah, I mean, some decks maybe are considered toxic, toxic by players because they make you feel a little bit helpless. And I feel like decks kind of like mill are because they pull stuff out of your deck and just mill it to oblivion and it's never a fun feeling because you feel like you in the given moment when this is happening to you this is becoming not very fun and interactive and i know that gwent maybe is not the very like super interactive card game because we don't have counter magic we don't have uh, things that can happen with an instant, like we don't have instants, uh, like we're, we're limited to playing a card per turn within our turn. Um, so that's kind of where the limitations come from. We're not able to say no to something when it's happening. Um, so I feel like players do not like this feeling of helplessness, that kind of like, oh, he's milling something from my deck, which I need. It would be nice if I could take it from my graveyard and, or, or somewhere else and put it back in. But with here, with like with Gwent, you can't because it's, it's milled to oblivion, like it's exiled. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't bring it back in any way, right? So you, you, you're limited here. There is mill, of course, in magic. And mill in magic is considered just like any other archetype. It's not considered as, as the, the main culprit villain. And if you look at like statistics, it's also not a deck that sees a lot of play and a lot of win rates. Um, there are weird creations of decks. Like there's this one deck in Magic that I love. It's one of those decks that I kind of started playing Magic with, especially in the modern format. It's called Eight Rack. So it's a deck where you um, force your opponents to discard cards from their hand. You want to get them as close to zero as possible. Uh, your deck plays also a lot of removal, so whatever they manage to stick on the board, you kill and you get rid of. And you have these cards which inflict damage to their opponent based off of the number of cards that they have in their hand. So if they have three cards or less, uh, for any card less than three, they get one, two, or three damage, right? 
or if you have one card or less, there is this card called Shrieking Affliction that gives you three damage instantly. So it's like a bolt to your face every every beginning of your turn, which you're not able to do anything about unless you get rid of these artifacts and enchantments. So these are decks which feel uninteractive, but when it come when you know, when push kind of comes to shove, these decks are not very good because most of the high end top tier decks are able to like run around them with the sheer power level that they have. And I think this is something that happens, but there are some decks that maybe people are playing that are not fine-tuned enough and are not 100%, and they are getting destroyed by these decks, which are kind of a little bit maybe more niche, but they are still being played by, by others. And this kind of causes players to kind of feel like, oh, this isn't fun. This isn't interactive. I'm I'm not able to do anything. This deck sucks. Like we should go hate on it. And then they go and they hate on it. And um I feel like in in overall in in, in Gwent, we're we're still pretty much safe when it comes to toxic decks, unless there are of course decks that overperform because it's a oversight on our side so on the developer side or on the balance side that we miss something that might be uh become a problem thankfully we have a lot of cool people to test these things with and kind of find these weird and crazy unwanted interactions before they make it into the game um but i feel like you know we we are still kind of blessed when it comes to not having a lot of like really really things that you would consider like super toxic like we had of course our toxic moments when it comes to the meta but i think all of these were happening because of like our own mistakes more than uh what players are kind of coming up with and i feel like mill is the mill and clog are the ones that have been recently the ones that you know a lot of people were saying that they're toxic but these are decks that you can easily play around and if well, you look that's... at any any meta reports or anything like that, like you know, they're they're not they're not top tier right now. Like they're this, not. this is the one thing that I'm just like always that I always fall back on. It's like it, it's toxic because you're stubborn and you're not teching to beat it. If it's that prominent and it's that problematic, it's not unbeatable. It's not unbeatable at all. Isn't isn't unbeatable? Like when Clog was, you know, a problem. Or, 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 you know, and like Clog was always out there as, as a, you know, but ultimately it's just, there are ways around it. There's reset cards for the Colgrims. There's, you know, there's row punish. There's all kinds of things. You know how I used to deal with Clog? I used to just run one incinerating trap, one incinerating trap, because I knew exactly when they're playing Colgrim and I would just play the incinerating trap before it. And my opponent <laughs> would just play Colgrim and it would die to an incinerating trap. And yeah. it was hilarious. And that's basically it. But again, that is me understanding what the meta is like. And yeah, it might be quote unquote toxic. But you know what? The most toxic thing is the is the the, the community response and, and their ultimate, you know, or their their first reaction of always trying to They are creating the toxicity. Well, that's <laughs> like look, I, that's kind of the truth though, because like yeah. every, like when I said that everybody gave me different answers of what they thought was toxic. Like if every if we got rid of everything that was toxic, there would be nothing left. There would be nothing left because of what would be left. Then someone would call something else toxic. Like yeah. just because you do not like something 
doesn't necessarily mean that it's toxic or problematic. It just means that you don't like it. Like, I don't like sushi. Is it is sushi toxic? No, I just don't like it. Like, that's just the way it goes. You know, it's that's. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the problem with assigning, quote unquote, toxicity or uh, something is toxic means that you're you're saying that it is a it is an absolute boon on the game it's a boon on the progress or, or the creative elements potentially and there are decks that like when you say like okay this deck is toxic is it's it's a, like most decks that people think are toxic are quite unique in terms of what they can do something like clog nothing else can really do what clog does nothing else can do what yep. mill does nothing else can do what a trap deck does so you're 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 saying it's toxic because it's not playing into that very narrow vision of how you want to play the game because from rank 25 to rank 15 you've been comfortable playing against the same nonsense and the same decks and nothing was really nothing forced you to think outside the box but suddenly from rank 15 to to zero you're like you're seeing a bunch of different stuff and if there's something that you're not prepared for and you're not ready to make a switch out of your deck because you're so stubborn in your own thought process like toxic decks are quite unique and without them what else are we going to see? It's going to be a, a game of just solitaire on one side or the other and whatnot. Yeah, a lot chess. of these, yeah, that, and like we mentioned <laughs> last time, right? So yeah. um, I think that there needs to be a reevaluation of what people think are toxic. And when you say something is toxic, just kind of rewind and, and wonder why. Is it because it's beating you or is it because you, you don't want to change up what's going on or, or whatnot? Like, I understand that there are cards that do things that you don't want them to do, but welcome yes. to card games, mofo. Welcome to life in general, because life can be toxic yeah. too. You know, when, when things just don't quite go your way and you're like, you can't just automatically say that, you know, the, uh, the snowfall in the middle of the month of April is toxic. It's not. It's that's it that's it climate. Well, I get it. That's but you global know, warming. <laughs> but, but ultimately, you need to just, just, pump your brakes in terms of what what is quote-unquote toxic because either not everyone agrees with you like that's just that's just the deal of it like if there was a card that said you know that was like four provisions play on the board for 10 points and your opponent you can see all your opponent's hand yeah that's that's a toxic card like that yeah. but uh clog that is just bad design there <laughs> yeah well clog isn't toxic i don't think mill is toxic because... No, because you can play around it, right? You can you can play around it, but I, but I feel like some things get branded toxic because they feature cards which you don't like. I hate to to Kaltula's card, like for example. I don't like Colgrim. I don't like I don't I don't like playing against Colgrim, but I know that in most matchups I'm still able to beat it unless they copy it, and then I'm not able to deal with like two copies because I didn't draw the the removal that I need. Okay, then I'm I'm screwed, right? But there, like it's you, you can't be always winning it's like in life life will throw you a curveball and you will make mistakes and it will happen and you have to live with it and the same is in card games like you will run into a matchup which you will not expect or you will not draw the cards that you need and then you're screwed and it's fine and you move on and you play more games you get better you maybe think a little bit more before going against the same deck and you kind of learn that okay like i learned very quickly playing against mill that you need to 2 them if you're playing dwarves, for example, or if you're playing with elves, for example, with waylays, you can you can do it easily. So if you find your own strategy for playing against them, then I think you will be more than you know happy to 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 face them multiple times and you'll be like, this is not a problem. I can I can go against them. And and I also feel like something that you mentioned, like 
decks on different ranks perform in a different way because people bring different stuff. I feel like I was more surprised playing on the lower ranks, A, by the misplays that people make, which, which is interesting, um, but you know that they're learning. B, from actually the creativity when it comes to the things that they're building, because I'm currently rank two and uh, trying to get to rank one. And the majority of the decks that I face are pretty much the same. And they're, they're very, very fine-tuned. There's hardly ever a person that I see that is bringing something out of the ordinary or something which is not considered as being the best currently. And I feel like um, there is a lot of bill, which is interesting. And it's weird because whenever I play in like during working hours, not in the afternoon, the majority of the decks that I face are are male players, which which I don't know why why this is some why this is like I don't know you you wake up you brush your teeth you get breakfast and then you're like I'm gonna mill some people and uh, <laughs> to start off my day right you know uh, and and you do it and and it's much easier than than uh, later in the day I see more Skellige players and Skellige is pretty good in this in this in, in this meta right now that we have. Uh, self wound is, is is crazy with uh, the creeper Sigvald, and uh, yeah, and I mean this is what you see, and you need to like anticipate that these decks will happen, these cards you will see, and you need to be able to play against them. Like if you hate Melusine, find a way to get rid of her. If you hate Sigvald, think a way to to counter him. If you hate dwarves because they're slamming points everywhere. Think of a counter for that. Like that's why people play things like Heatwave. That's why people play Irden. That's why people play Muzzle. That's why they, you know, have these tech choices in order to, when they face the deck that they hate, they be like, "Hey, I know you. I know what you're about to do. I'm gonna save this card, and it's gonna win me around for sure." Let's just like let's just define what, you know, eighty percent of toxicity complaints boil down to. It boils down to this. X card is toxic because I took a very greedy line of play and somebody had the foresight to play a card that counters my very greedy line of play. And given the fact that they did not let me win, it is toxic. That's that's it. That's it. Like, Irden is... You know, in terms of the amount of buzzwords in Gwent that people either overuse or don't understand, toxic is overused um uh binary is the other one that i don't think pe- a lot of people just don't understand or or overuse um trying to think of some other ones but um was it carry over i think is another one that some people don't quite get uh mm-hmm. ultimately anyway at the end of the day uh that's that's sort of my thought like if i were to boil it down a little bit to that that principal skinner meme of like Am I out of touch? No, it is the children who are wrong. Like that whole meme, <laughs> it's like, uh, am, it's basically, am I too stubborn to change my deck and counter the meta? No, it is the it is the the meta that is toxic. Like, no, it's you just you're you yeah. just don't want to make the change. And I get it, but without that that awareness and willingness to adapt and evolve and change with the ebb and flow of what a meta is, then you're going to be left behind. It's just the way yep. it goes. And you're going to forever be stuck with whatever the hell you're, wherever rank you are. And that's it. Because I, frankly, I don't hear the pros complain about toxicity. You know why? Because the pros go in there, they evaluate the meta, they make their deck, and they 
punish whatever the meta, the meta is. They as destroy. It, exactly. <laughs> so that's it. Like your complaints are more so the fact that you do not want to change. And that's perfectly fine. If you want to be stubborn and set in your ways, no problem. But eventually, you know, you might say, well, I was kicking the crap out of the meta yesterday. Yeah, the meta changes. A uh, broken clock yeah. is right twice a day. That's kind of how it goes. So frankly, look inward. Look yeah, the meta is a living entity and it will change. And you as a player should be adapting to it instead of the meta trying to force will it and adapt it to you. Like that won't happen. Like you can complain to us about decks and tell us like we should be doing something about them. But I feel like the first step that you should be making as a player is trying to actually work around these things that you find difficult for yeah. you. And it feels much better if you figure those things out yourself. Or if you find tech choices within the deck that will help you get there. And I think it's 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 kind of one of those good feelings in card games when you actually figure some stuff out and figure out what works for you. And when you go against Mill next time, you will be maybe better equipped um uh, to 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 destroy them. And I and I wish you all luck. But yeah, first look at yourself and then start pointing fingers elsewhere. Nice. <laughs> Not, not, not uh, perhaps what everyone would have su suspected uh, when we we're talking about this. It's like, all right, well, net decking is super cool and fine, and toxicity isn't as bad as everyone thinks it is. So, um, end of episode credits. Uh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, we do have the Q and A, so hit us with uh, the the uh, the shop. Uh, the you know, give us a little bit of that. Uh, tell us to go to the shop. Lead us. So the yeah, we we have merch. So if you missed the beginning of this and you're tuning in somewhere in the middle, I don't know why. And if you're still here after our, our, our jibber jabber about uh, net decking and toxic cards, I would like to remind you that 983shop.com has new merch. New merch. It is the Dagon Rumor Reporter merch. Uh, anyone, anyone, you, your mom, your dad. I don't know. Maybe even you can you can slip something on, cut it up, and s s slip it on your dog if you want. I, I <laughs> we we do custom stuff for Geralt out of out of, but it will be it will be bad to ruin such awesome, magnificent merch, especially the premium tea, um, which features features the Dagon Rumor reporter uh, name tag on it, so you all can become Dagon Rumor reporters. There is a hoodie. There is an awesome, awesome, beautiful mug for your coffee or tea or any other beverage of choice. And there is an awesome hoodie that will keep you warm. And all of these things are at 983shop.com. And, and most importantly, if you use the code FLURZA5, you will get five bucks off your order. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Do it. Cop that merch. Get it. Use the code. Um, yeah, me and Flake, we don't get anything from this, but... We would enjoy to see you rocking this merch. So if you have any photos of yourself wearing this stuff, post it on Twitter, tag Gwentfinity, ta tag 983media, tag me and Flake. We'll have it on the episode. We'll talk about you rocking that stuff. Oh, yeah. And we would like, if you, if you support 983, which has been doing awesome, awesome stuff for the community, and I'm not only talking about Gwent, but also other card games and other things that they do, Totally support them because they deserve it. Um, I get nothing out of this, but for me, it's just incredible to have merch that has the Dagon Rumor Report, which started as a meme and now is a thing. So thank you for tuning into this uh, short TED Talk. <laughs> All right. Mailbag time, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with your question. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the mailbag or the Q&A where we take your questions from Reddit and Twitter. And the first one is from Reddit by Not Meeple. Um, nice Geralt avatar there. There seems to be a fair amount of veteran players coming back into the game. What recent changes would you personally direct these players' attention to? An example, new mechanics, archetype support, draft mode. Huh. That's a good question because, frankly, um, I don't I don't know if it's a particular uh, keyword or mechanic or something right now that I would lead them to look at more than the some of the more intriguing cards that came out uh, with the new the new drop. I think that one of the best selling points right now, if I were to say, look, you were part of the game, you know, a year or two years, check out this new card drop and tell me that this isn't pretty damn cool and tell me that like something like you know uh golden necker or whatever else um you know uh the the ring you know i forgot the name of the card the ring that grows until you pass like like some of these fascinating cards that add extra layers of um like you know like not bluffing or whatnot but like there's some some really cool stuff i would most likely show them this newest card set as saying this is some of the more unique card designs that we've seen in a long while this is this should be enough to um, entice someone to at least pick up the game again and give it another go, especially if they're already very familiar with the rules. This adds so much extra flavor to what they're already familiar with. It's like it's like finding a new topping for a pizza that you didn't know existed, right? Like it's like well, like whoa, I could I could put M and M's on a pizza. Like I don't don't do that, but I, you know what I mean. Like it's it's something along those lines. That's that's probably what I would direct them to. Yeah, um, fully agreed here. I don't want to toot our own horn, but since I don't work on balance, I I will actually toot the the designer's horn in this case. I don't know if that sounds appropriate. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, cards like you mentioned, like Ring of Favor, cards like Golden Necker, the Mysterious Puzzle Box, stuff like that. These all are an Erendite, for example. Maybe not Traveling Priestess because she's maybe a little bit overtuned, uh, in my opinion. But um, there are new additions to uh, existing archetypes and existing decks in terms of the new cards that we added with Forgotten Treasures that I feel like are making the meta more interesting. A, B, they're enabling a lot of other decks that maybe fell out a little bit or maybe didn't see um, enough, uh, maybe didn't have enough eyes on them. Um, that's 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 one thing, and I also feel like the recent changes that we've been doing um, to existing archetypes and existing cards, and kind of changing their abilities and going back to the drawing board in order to make them better. AKA, for example, Welcome Back Dwarves. Um, these things in this direction in which the game has been going, I feel like, is something that older veteran players were will appreciate because there I've seen a lot of comparisons to the the place in which the game was before homecoming is kind of being compared to where the game is right now. I don't want to say it's one to one because the game's the game is different than it what it used to be, but it has enough cool and exciting stuff and cards and archetypes where anyone can find something that will 
work for them and which that, that they will enjoy within the current meta. And I feel like the recent drop kind of solidified something that already has been happening, which is playing around with abilities, making the abilities a little bit more crazy. I mean, when people saw the ability on Golden Necker, they were like, okay, this is this is going to be interesting. Is this going to be like uh, something that is going to be RNG heavy? While it turns out that you're pretty much, you know, you're able to fish out from your deck stuff that you actually need. Um, and then there are just cards that, you know, that help you, um, you know, maybe win the game, but have also this, this condition attached to it that you need to meet. And I feel like from like, um, playing the thing and, and, and actually executing these things, they're, they're just fun. They're just fun. They're fun. They're interactive. They give you um, this possibility to actually think how you're gonna do your plays, or like what the what what you want what you want to achieve in a given uh, game plan that you have for a given game, and all these things kind of piled on top of each other just give a lot of fun. And uh, I I love seeing posts on Reddit recently, like, "Hey, I'm a returning player after four years of not playing a game," or I dropped the game after homecoming and now I'm back and I've seen that so much has changed. Like what's, what do you recommend I should be playing? And and I've seen also like the community is being very open and saying like, Hey, check this out. Welcome back. It's good to have you. If you're, if you're playing this or if you're playing Scoia'tael, if you're playing Northern realms, try this. And the community is kind of welcoming these players back, but I think they're coming back because they're seeing that the game is moving in a very good direction. So that's that's my answer to the to the question. All right. Uh, yes. Gwent Royalty, by the name of Devil Driven, has asked... Love you, bud. You're awesome. Very awesome. What keyword from another uh, card game would you like to see in Gwent? Um, this is a tough one because the rule set for Gwent is so much different. Like, what, like there's not... like I, I think Vlad mentioned Menace. Menace being the keyword where uh, blocking a creature with menace, you need two or more creatures to block a creature with menace. There's no blocking. There's no attacking. Yeah. Um, the, some of the similarities I can find is something like immunity and uh, immunity and uh, hexproof. Like those are those are kind of similar. Can't target something doesn't mean it can't be killed by AOEs or whatever. Um, I was thinking that maybe not necessarily a keyword, but something that like that can be played at instant speed. Could be cool. Uh, if you think about it this way, if you could play a card at instant speed, but you lose your your turn, like if, what if there was a card like a counterspell, like your opponent plays a card and you have the opportunity at instant speed to counter it or do something to it? Obviously, you're getting a card out of your hand, so you don't. So you maybe just don't get your next turn. Like that could be fascinating. Obviously, again, given the fact that Gwent's rules are so different than every other card game. Uh, it's hard to really translate one keyword to another, but I think that that is my answer, is that operating, some, doing something at instant speed, being able to play something at your opponent's turn, probably my answer. Damn it. <clears throat> that was my first thought. I, I would say something that, on at first, first my thought process went to, it would be really cool to have a type of counter magic within the game like we used to have this with one of the traps you would play them and if someone played a special card it would flip and it would cancel the um the ability of that special 
Um, it was one of it was it was a trap with the with the snakes and stuff like that. I, I serpent trap. Forgot the name. Old school serpent hmm? trap. It was the like yes, a, yeah. So we'll flip it. It will cancel that ability. That would, that was cool. That was like the first um, version of any type of like counter spellish thing in Gwent. But Gwent is like you said, is such a different card game that it's very hard to find something from other card games that you would add to it. But I would like a, I would also like a flash effect, like anything that can be happen at instant speed. Um, of course, you would need to do something in order to be able to do this, like. Um, you can do this, but on the other hand, you will maybe like not you know maybe not having your churn is is not too good of a of a thing. But I think it would be fair and it would actually make sense if you're able to do something instantly. This would also kind of play into the fact that you are able to instant counter something before it lays eggs or is able to do anything. But I kind of feel that with Gwent being the way it is, that having something like, you would also need to introduce like how turns are played in terms of also adding additional triggers here, like an additional trigger where my opponent plays this and it has zeal. So before they can use the zeal ability, I am able to play something that will be able to destroy that card before the zeal effect, you know, when before they're able to trigger that, then it makes sense, right? Um, but those are like traps but, at that point. Like you'd have to. Yeah, it kind of is like traps. Now I'm thinking about it more. It's like it's it's just like it's it's behaving like like a trap. And then I was thinking like what other things I enjoy is like I I sorry to say, but I enjoy like revealing my cards from my opponent's hand and seeing what they have, what they're running with, and uh, thinking how you know getting information from that. I don't know if if getting something and discarding uh, something from my opponent's head would it be. I think in Gwent the the cards in your hand are too much of a resource in order for me to have the ability to look into them and discard them and, you know, fool around with their game plan. I don't think that would be good. But maybe it would be fun to have at least. I mean, we used to have old school reveal when you were able to reveal stuff. And um, if you hit something, like I remember you had spotters back in the day, right? And if you revealed something, they would get boosted by the amount of the power of the card that you revealed on your opponent's side or something like that. <clears throat> so maybe that would be... Uh, going back to these old school stuff would be would be fun. Although, the more I think about them, I kind of feel like maybe they don't have a place in Gwent. So it's like it's like a back and forth. And I also feel like a lot of mechanics <clears throat> that I normally enjoy would not, you know, have place in in Gwent in some way. Although I remember when we introduced Zeal for the first time. Someone told me, hey, it's like haste, but I'm like, wait, oh, wait, it's not like haste. And haste in, in magic means you're able to attack just when the creature goes on the board. It doesn't have summoning sickness. And they're like, yeah, you're, you're simply, when you play the card, you don't need to wait a turn for it to, to activate its, uh, its order ability. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense now. But it's, it's, it's different because it always needs to be put, like you need to put it into the Gwent perspective. So, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll both agree and, and stick to the, Instant speed stuff and, and flashers, something like that. All right. Flamer Fyrong asking, as a custom card creator, I want my ideas more relevant to the actual game. That's, uh, oh, someone's a little entitled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so is it possible for CPR? I imagine they mean. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. What? 
what's CPR? CPR is not a company. We're CDPR. Like, no, no, I think if you're using the abbreviation, use it properly. <laughs> Thank <yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, I think what he, he's referring to is like the emergency trading, the cardiopulmonary yes. resuscitation. CPR, yeah. 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 Uh, but, um, We'll we'll give them the they can they can hold a custom card contest. <laughs> yeah, they they also can exactly. Uh, so is it possible for CDPR to hold a custom card contest and add top notch cards into the game to the future? Um, no. What's <laughs> so you could no. answer this? No, no, because sorry to say, but uh, don't you have the, to like the give ideas... them? Well, then you'd have to pay them for their intellectual property, and it's a whole yeah, thing, right? I mean, you would need to join our balance team and bump off your ideas off of them before they even get introduced into the game. And and the guys that work there, they have millions of their own ideas and some of them don't make the cut to the game. So I feel like it's very hard for you without fully knowing the design philosophy that our team has behind the game to actually come up with something that would one-to-one -one be introduced and translated into the game. And I also feel like if we would be taking ideas from the community and trying to add them to the game, the game would very quickly become like a spam fiesta or like a crazy show. And we, we wouldn't want that to go that way. I think we have a balanced team for a reason. And that team has been also growing throughout the years also for a reason. And I feel like they've been, they've been doing a, a really, really solid job. And I think someone coming in from outside, then their ideas would not necessarily work well, and what we're currently doing I, th I think what they're asking more so is that like what if there was like a, a one-time contest where people submitted a single card not necessarily to be like i'm on the design team but like put it like here's the other thing is that um our like the subreddit custom gwent is a thing nobody cares everybody just spams countless custom cards on the main gwent channel uh and it's like it's just flooded with stuff it's just constant flooding of stuff the the other I, I remember the other term that i wanted to say that everybody overuses and that's the term rework and balance um <laughs> i i like i'm all for um a custom card contest i think that would be kind of cool but to me i think that the i always thought that the the major hurdles in this was being able to acquire someone's intellectual property and compensating them correctly uh, for their card um, mm -hmm. but I like what the other thing about like the massive amount of custom cards is that what if, if there's so many custom cards out there, like I would imagine that it, I would, I would like the people who are designing cards right now, like for CDPR, like uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they completely ignore all the custom cards that are out there because think about it this way. What if a card comes out and it's, and it's influenced or is directly the same as one of the custom cards that they see? That is becoming a that becomes an in, entire show, as you said, in itself. And I remember this because mm -hmm. a long time ago, I wanted to be a comic book writer, and I mean, I still do. It'd be amazing, but I wrote some stories and some outlines, and I wanted to run them by somebody who was already a published comic book writer, somebody mm -hmm. who I knew, and I wanted to run an idea by them, and they said, "No, I don't want to hear it." And I asked why, and they said, "Because if it's good, I'm going to steal it." I said, "Oh, just." blatantly you're just going to steal my idea he's like yeah whether consciously or subconsciously if the idea is good i'm going to steal it i said oh okay <laughs> like and i would imagine that, but that becomes a problem because if they do steal it and i do sue and i do have property exactly that becomes a whole problem and i kind of understood where he was coming from now the method in which 
he addressed it was very abrasive and jerkish, and I don't talk to this person anymore. But ultimately, I can see why part of the development team doesn't read this stuff because if what if they are influenced and what if they are they do take an idea and it becomes a um like you mentioned like a litigation shit show but ultimately a contest of one person submitting cards and you you say okay this is the winning card we're going to introduce this card to the game and you know congratulations blah 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 i'm like i i suppose it can be a good thing but like there are more problems associated with it yeah and more problems than benefits Hey, here's the thing. If all the custom card creators started posting on custom Gwent instead of Gwent subreddit, that's a good start. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm just like, I just say these things. Go, go there. Like, I, uh, I, I always to be honest, creativity. I don't, I don't, I don't think like the majority of them actually go through these ideas. Um, like they might check them out and they might see if, if something like this applies. But I also have seen that some of the ideas that kind of are, are posted We've already tried those things and we, we've kind of looked into these things and they hardly ever work out. So that's why we, 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 you know, we, keep, we keep the design to the designers, not to the community. And I think we do it for a reason. And I think um, we're not the only card game that does that. Like, I mean, there's a lot of custom cards, but I would, I would yeah, I would keep the design to the designers and, and cut it there. Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> there's, also, there's also a lot of like, you know, legal ramifications if somebody yeah. were to... Look, I, I adore creativity and I adore people, you know, coming up with great ideas and whatnot. I think that that's always fascinating. It's awesome. But like the fact that there's like this, this there might be this, I wouldn't call it this feeling of entitlement, but just because you're creating cards doesn't mean that CDPR has to pay attention and put them in a game. Yeah. Like, I don't, like that's... So... Uh, also, if we go this route, like, I mean... We well, borrow like any card game borrows ideas off of different card games. So it's like like it's like there's no there's no I don't know who invented the wheel first in this case. It's like it doesn't matter if you drive a Toyota, you drive a Honda or a Mazda or whatever. Like someone invented the wheel first and 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 then but the cars are different, right? But they yeah. all have wheels, so I, well, I let's, get, yeah. let's not get philosophical here, but some some of the, the 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 things that you see in card games, they come from somewhere else, and they're an inspiration. And I feel like uh, the people that also design cards, they pull inspiration from other card games that they enjoy throughout their life, or they're currently playing, or there are some mechanics that they just come out out of the blue and introduce uh, to the game. Um, I think also something to highlight, which I will always highlight, and something that you always also kind of highlight is that Gwent is different than any card game. So also the the abilities and stuff that we introduce here are a little bit different, but there are some similarities to to other card games. So, but yeah, like intellectual property here in the sense that if someone comes up with something and we take that card one to one without changing anything on it. Well, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be that wouldn't be cool, and it has yeah legal ramifications here. Yeah, what I worry about is that people treat Reddit and their custom cards like Reddit is like American Idol, where they're all trying to audition, and like there's like they're like, well, why aren't you picking a winner? Well, because it because was, we ain't looking at it yourself was, exactly because it was never a contest. Like, like that's the thing. Like you're you guys made the contest, we did it. Yeah, you know, like it's like that. Remember that question about the dude who's talking about the the Northern Realms Yennefer blue balls. It's like, why are you blue balling us? <laughs> like, mofo, you're blue balling yourself. Like yourself, yeah. Um, uh, look, I think that 
um, custom cards are cool, but I can I also foresee uh, significant issues with CDPR taking custom cards out of people's hands and adding them to games, and I don't think that, you know, it is what it is. Let's move on. Uh, all right, here's a very important question. This is from Static Panic. Uh, so thank you for this question because it's freaking amazing. Could Luke Skywalker defeat Geralt of Rivia in combat? And what about in a game of Gwent? Okay, very simple. Very, very simple. Uh, we have a bunch of questions to go through, so I'm going to be quick. Yes, yeah. Luke Skywalker will absolutely decimate and crush Geralt. It's not even a contest. And he would also beat him in a game of Gwent. It's called the Jedi Mind Trick. Now, again, yes. um, I think that uh, if if Luke Skywalker knew the rules of Gwent, uh, he could easily influence in Jedi mind trick and 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 all that other stuff to to Geralt. Geralt is a human. Humans are susceptible to Jedi mind tricks. Geralt is not. Mm, he's not human one hundred percent. Like he needs to take into account the trial of Jedi mind tricks. Is... Jedi mind tricks yeah, work on many yeah. many different species. <clears throat> Uh, maybe Especially not. If it would work on him, or maybe if they were smart enough okay. to create a deco decoction or something right. that they if would make him. If he's immune to it, if he's immune to it, then then yeah, Geralt will crush him in Gwent. I don't but... know. I don't know to be honest, because I feel like with Star Wars and with the the the, the Jedi Masters, or you know, they they with every iteration of every movie, TV show, whatever. They just become freaking stronger. And you can tell, like, the Force has no boundaries when it comes to stuff. Like, basically, back in the time in Dagobah, they could barely get an X-Wing out of the freaking swamp. And now they can stop a whole freaking big-ass, you know, I don't know, destroyer or whatever just with one hand. So, I mean, I feel like their power is becoming... The Force is like, limitless. Boundless because how, the Force is everything, right? It. It's, it's everywhere. It's how how you give yourself to the Force and become one with the Force. And yeah. that's, you know, that's, 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 basically, uh, that's basically how it goes. But I mean, in combat... And Geralt is, is, has his own problems. Like he, if he drinks too many potions, he gets his toxicity level up too much. He's still, he he's still kind of mill. human. He, he's still kind of, yeah, he gets milled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he has his limitations and I feel like Jedi do not have these limitations because if they become one with the force, the, the force and it's the amount of power that is there that you can tap into is just it's infinite right and that's that that's kind of what the 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 you know the, the sith enjoy the most that they can have infinite power through different means but the power it is actually infinite and Geralt's i think is is has you know some cutoff point on which of course he can do incredible things but i don't think he's He's that powerful yeah. to defeat Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is the, probably uh, one of the most powerful Jedi ever to have existed. His lightsaber would cut through absolutely anything that Geralt yeah. would throw at him. Um, the only thing that... It I was would... thinking about signs, but he could like just... What could, I, like, like, you force could for stop him. Of course, there's like force absorption where you just essentially yeah. trans transfer the energy and whatnot, like it's be real. Um, all right, you want to read the next one? Yeah, which keywords, this is from Zaya, Zayad Neo from Reddit, which keywords do you feel should exist more in the game, whether through reworks or new card drops? Well, um, you can oh. take the word rework and throw it out the airlock because that, that term is overused and is terrible. 
Uh, oh, we're doing a lot of reworks for carts, right? You're doing slight reworks, and that's fine. But everybody wants to rework everything all the time, and it's yeah, it's, it's that's a little... true. Car how about new cards? I mean, how about some new cards? Like those are always nice to have. Um, which keywords would I wish would come back a little bit more? Ba -ba -ba. I would like to see another card have a rupture ability. I don't know to what Ooh. degree, but I think rupture is it's it's around for one card, and I would love to see another card get rupture. I want more poison. Easy. I just want more cards with with poison abilities. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe doing something where I don't know if 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 a unit has poison, something happens, and kind of like build build it more into it. I I feel like it's. It's not an archetype by itself right now, but it's more of a means of of removing something that you feel that is problematic. So poison once, poison twice, and it's gone, right? So something more around this would be really, really cool, and I would like something to happen with that. And I, I'm I'm just coming I'm coming here with this idea from the top of my head in terms of like what I would like to see. This is not based off of any internal knowledge. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this one coming from Aditya Malia off Twitter asking, when you do your recording it for an episode, do you do it in one take? One take, baby. You might see some cuts. Always. One take, but we just go straight start to finish, baby. We don't like, we don't, there's no, yeah. our script is essentially the questions that we pull off of the various platforms. And mm -hmm. then we just basically write out, okay, what episode is it? 13, perfect. I write out the Dagon rumor report. We talk about we write out the 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 topic, and then the rest is just ad lib. I don't say ad lib, yeah. but I mean like we just talk. It's all one take. Uh, I mean, we're not here to put on a production. We're here to to have a, a frank and and yeah. casual discussion, right? We're trying to be as candid yeah. as possible. Plus, we just like to take one break, um, and be like before the Q and A, just to refill water and stuff like that. So that's that's, right. that's more behind the scenes. One take, one take, play. One take, always. Yep. They call me one take flake. Uh, <laughs> all right, next up. I think you can, well, the, so the next question is like a two-parter. And I think the yeah. first part is regarding like technical stability of the app, which we have no say or influence over. When it comes to iOS and Android app, where, because I've seen this come up more and more frequently, what I can tell you is we're looking into this and we're collecting data. So if you have any crash reports or anything like that, like, um, let us like write to our support page. We're collecting players that have been having problems on iOS and Android. I think Android is actually, there are more crashes there. And so any more info and data we can get is good for us because we're trying to fix these things. So we're looking into them. So it's not like we're avoiding the, 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 the topic. We're working on it, but we don't have an update. So All right. yeah. All right, we got to run through these real quick because we're already like way over limit here, but <laughs> all right. Uh... So the second part of the question is, my second part is regarding draft and alternate game modes like seasonal. They seem to be low priority, but I think their lack of popularity is due to lack of attention, which feeds back into itself. Um, uh, and it goes on and on, but it's mostly about, about the same here. It talks about like other games put a lot of uh, focus on things like their alternate alternative game modes, like uh -huh. Hearthstone with Battlegrounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, so I guess that you know the question is is like is this going to be a focus and is it going to be improved or are there going to be added stuff? You know, uh, I I think that alternative game modes. I mean, I I redownloaded when I was at my parents. I redownloaded Hearthstone to play Battlegrounds again. Um, I'd been playing a bunch of Storybook Brawl and I'm trying to try something, go back to Battlegrounds and um, alternative game modes. I even tried their mercenary mode. I will say this: um, 
Gwent's alternative, I have no interest in playing seasonal and I have no interest in playing the current draft mode because it's not it's not good enough, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I kind of have to second what you just said. Um, with draft mode, I feel bad because I feel like it's a mode that has a lot of potential, but I agree that maybe we do not have enough uh, capacity or priority or the prioritization on these things this is not where it should be. Um, but it's very hard to shift focus from multiplayer, which has always been our priority, and move it over more to more into draft. So whenever we, I feel like we have more of a breather, we go back to draft and we try to assess the problems that are there and do it. With seasonal, I feel like the modes are cool, but there would also be would be better to have a little bit more variety, but I know we're also looking into upping the variety there. So there's some more cool things to do because I feel like some players just enjoy seasonal and they just play seasonal because uh, it's fun that they get to come up with some quirky decks for it and, and use them. And if you're a game, if you're a deck builder and if you're a person that likes variety, you will go for that. Um, but when it comes to my own experience and outside of Gwent, um, for example, in when I look at Magic, I I I don't find interest in in game modes like Standard. Like I will maybe play it on Arena when I have like uh, some free time if I'm not playing anything else that I'm super interested in. So I will do it. But um, my go-to is like Modern, which I feel like is is the healthiest and has the coolest meta. Or popper, which is uh, more accessible, and you to dish out uh, crazy amounts of money on cards, and you can play with uh, only with commons. So um, yeah, those are the ones that I that I'm kind of incentivized to to play around with. Uh, Commander is also really cool, but it's always hard to find like some peeps to 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 play that. Um, but there are other game modes which I'm I'm just not interested in because I don't feel like they're not the thing for me. And I'm not also a big fan of draft and, and MTG, for example. I will play with some friends in the studio if we have like a box to crack open and do it and draft. But other than that, it's not 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 my bag of things and not my bag of tricks. And I feel like it's it's fine. Right? Everybody likes different stuff. And but yeah, I, coming back to it, I feel like for draft and Gwent, I feel like it would actually be able to stand on its own two feet. But it just needs a little bit more love still. I and we will give it a little bit more love. There should be formats like I don't know, standard format, wild format, commoner format, like uh, popper. Yeah, you know, imagine yeah, that. Imagine, imagine if standard rotation would open up yeah. new formats. Uh, we once did an internal tournament uh, in the CDPR studio for Gwent, where you were only able to play with common cards. It was super fun. It was the one of the funnest tournaments that I ever played in. I think I got second place, and someone Atta beat boy. me to first place. Wolfpack yeah, really MVP. Fun. Yep. Um. All right, last one. Hit me. Have neutral leaders ever been considered? Something like you can use only neutral cards, but leader grants more provisions to play around with. Why is there no random cosmetic option? Uh, okay, so that's premium tokens, and yeah, it's same thing. <laughs> so yeah, this is by Geoffrey on Reddit. So I actually thought that, you know how like whenever we're talking about new leaders, we always say, yeah. well, you got to jam in six, right? So you, it's not just yeah. about having one good idea. You need six good ideas, one for each faction. Neutral leaders is something that actually bounced around in my head a little bit. Like when that's you're, journey. Um, well, like the way I was thinking about it is not leaders from a cosmetic standpoint, uh -huh. but leaders from a playability standpoint, where you can only play neutral cards. However, the, you are 
you are getting you're getting your leader ability is essentially making up for what you're lacking from faction okay. synergies. So think about it this way, you know, instead of having let's say uh, a leader that can jam in 15 to 16 extra provisions, it's up to like 20 or something like that. And the leader ability is something relatively very basic or not too OP or the other way where you're getting your 15 provisions, but the leader ability is incredibly powerful to, you know, essentially make up for that. I think that that is a, a way to add extra leaders. The problem again is you need to balance this leader, not just against, uh, or no, because it's only playing neutral cards. So I think that this yeah. is, de I think that this is de definitely a, a viable option. I think that this is perfectly fine. I think that you could probably print like two or three neutral leaders that only play neutral cards. It could be fascinating to see but how we would this need game... more neutrals to make it well, fun. That... But it, isn't it that like introducing a seventh faction into the game? It, though? It, well, it would without the without the um, the pitfalls of having to flesh out an entire faction synergy and identity because you're just playing neutral cards. So yeah, I'm just I'm just afraid that this will naturally create a seventh faction, and if it's good, people will be more like you know, looking towards that instead of like focusing on the other factions, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Well, but it's an interesting idea to be honest. Like now that you mentioned it, I feel like it's, it's quite well, interesting. The thing about it is that neutral cards don't typically synergize together, right? There's very rare that you'll have like, it's not like all your elves or all your dwarves or all your assimilate are going to play off of each other. If it's just neutral stuff, it's not like one is going to necessarily trigger on cards two, three, four, five, six, you know, it's, you're going to have to rely on that leader ability to carry the, a lot of the weight of, of, of how it is. Yeah. I don't think it would be a viable thing. Um, I, I just think it's It'll a be fun. I think that it is probably the most viable uh, uh, opportunity of adding a new leader without having to add six. I think that's the, the only way to do it. Um, and random cosmetic options. I actually think that this is a... a I, I've been wondering about be this cool. too. It's like where, you know what, you're like... It's same thing with card backs. It's like why not have every game I log into is an it's a my a different card back, you know, is is uh, an option. Same thing with leader skins. Like all right, like what you're you're queuing up as monster and you hit what your leader you want your leader to be and it's random and every time you queue in, it's like all right, this time it's going to be a Rakus queen with these different cosmetics. Uh you know, this time it's going to be uh Geralt with all with you know, he's with his bunny ears and a pan and some other stuff and next time it's going to be whatever. I think that that's perfectly fine. That would be fun. Um, that would be fun. And like, I think th I agree with 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 Gifford here in terms of that that being a cool thing. But these are all, like you mentioned, low priority. Um, I I hate that it always has to potentially fall down that rabbit hole of things won't get done because they're low priority. Um, but you know, so does the ran where does the random thing fall on your tier list of things that need to get done? right is not super high like if you if you if you think about like i i feel like these would be things that we could add on top if we had a little bit more time which i think time is not you know it's not a resource that we have infinite amounts of so i feel like the the, the manpower that is and the focus that we have is going to different things so if we ever had like um although i feel like I'm thinking about it like right now, if we even had more time and we're not focusing on balance, balance is such a thing that you will always be into working on, but there are other things like for when it comes to like these uh, random cosmetic generator in this case would be something that 
would be on the live ops side, but they're focusing on bringing back journeys right now and adding a little bit more cool stuff to it and kind of new stuff to unlock in those. So, and we also have Project Golden Necker that we're working on. So there's 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 a lot of things that are happening right now. So these things are not high priority. Maybe when we get those things out of the way, maybe there'll be more capacity for this. So uh, I I've I've heard about this numerous times. So maybe it's something that will make it into Gwent. But if not, I'll I'll keep that on my on my internal list of of things to kind of pass on to. Um, yeah, I like to both those ideas though. I definitely like both those ideas. Yeah. Um. Agreed. Right. There you go. Close the mailbag. It's all done. It's all done. Pavel? This was a long one. Yeah, it was a long a one. I want one. to put in as many questions as possible. Maybe we, we, uh, we went a little bit overboard. But yeah, it's I'm okay. super thankful for the amount of questions that we get on a weekly basis. I feel like you guys are always uh, delivering. So thank you for them. Uh, keep on coming because uh, sometimes if they don't make it, like feel free to um, post it again unless it's about premium tokens. They're gone balance related stuff and uh, reworks and stuff like that we won't touch upon any of those things um but yeah uh if you have any questions that we might have missed and they're important to you you know keep on dropping them we'll get to them and yeah All we'll right. answer them for sure and don't forget go to 983shop.com get yourself a dagon rumor reporter shirt and then show exactly us the and use the code flurries of five yeah and uh, the best yeah, part five about bucks that off best part about it is that that is a shirt that if you showed up to like a wedding wearing it you would people would be like like that's the best dressed guy at this whole event yeah so even the groom would be like how the hell did you plus you'll get questions what's this dagon thing are you a reporter really right you know like easy way to just sort of you know uh i'm gonna end the show as i do every week i love you man love you too bud always awesome to do this i hope you feel better soon yeah and yeah always remember that you're not losing if you're learning right that's the one you got it perfect we will yes. see you next time on the Been practicing experience. on dog walks with gerald oh, just telling him <laughs> yeah you're not losing if, not you're, losing learning. if you're learning the dog's He's like, just looking at you yeah <laughs> yeah okay stop yelling i'm gonna poo now yeah. thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right friends thank you so much for tuning in we'll catch you next time on the first exactly. experience bye bye